Welcome to the A Catholic Life Podcast. I am Matthew, the author of A Catholic Life, welcoming you to episode 29 of the A Catholic Life Podcast. In today's episode on the 14th Sunday after Pentecost, I address the following topics. One, the upcoming feast days this week, even though there's not many on the universal calendar. Two, the customs for the nativity of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Her birthday is coming up at the very end of this week and is a really important time for us to celebrate. And lastly, the magisterial weight of various papal documents. I share a recent article I wrote for the Fatima Center going over this so we can understand what makes a document infallible or not and does it have anything to do with what kind of a document it is. But before I get into those topics, I'd like to stop and thank the sponsor for today's episode. This episode is sponsored by MeaningofCatholic.com. Meaning of Catholic has launched its online storefront, offering PDF copies of various Catholic books, including The Definitive Guide to Catholic Fasting and Absence, available in three different languages, English, Spanish, or Polish, along with The Roman Catechism, Explained for the Modern World, and a few other great books to add to your library by other authors like Timothy Flanders and Kennedy Hall. Please visit meaningofcatholic.com backslash shop today to check them out and for a very affordable price to add these books to your online library. Again, meaningofcatholic.com backslash shop. On to the first topic of today's episode. As I am accustomed to do so, I'd like to go over the upcoming feast days this week. And on the universal calendar, there's really not many. Now, September 4th is a feria day on the universal calendar, but in some places it is kept as the feast of St. Rosalie. Now, St. Rosalie is is also known as St. Rose of Viterbo, not to be confused with St. Rose of Lima, who was recently celebrated last week at the end of August. But St. Rose of Viterbo was um, the daughter of Cinebald, Lord of Roses, and she was a descendant of Charlemagne. She was born at Palermo in Sicily, and in her youth her heart turned from earthly vanities to God. She left her home and took up her abode in a cave where she lived, really hidden for the rest of her life. She practiced great mortification and lived in constant communion with God, and afterwards she transferred her abode to Mount Pellegrino, about three miles from Palermo, in order to triumph entirely over all the instincts of flesh and blood in sight of her paternal home. She's said to have appeared after death and to have revealed that she spent several years in a little excavation near the grotto. She died alone in the year 1160, ending her strange but wonderful life unknown to the world. Her body was discovered several centuries later, in 1628, during the pontificate of Pope Urban VIII. And September 5th is the feast of St. Lawrence Justinian. St. Lawrence Justinian was the first patriarch of Venice. He lived from 1381 to 1456. He was born of a noble family in Venice um, and spent his childhood in innocence and piety under the care of his widowed mother, and he took the religious habit around his age of 19, and he became a regular canon of the congregation of St. George and Olga. Now, from the beginning of his novitiate, he became a model of regularity, practicing great austerities and embracing humiliations with really, truly singular satisfaction. After his ordination to the priesthood, his devotion in offering the holy sacrifice of the Mass knew no bounds. 
Against his inclination, he was chosen general of his order, and he reformed the discipline to such an extent that he became to be regarded as its founder. Now he admitted very few to his congregation, only those who had been thoroughly tried, ensuring that they were the most holy people possible. In the year 1433, Pope Eugene IV obliged him to accept the Episcopal See of Venice, and the Pope held him in extremely high regard, and it was only in consideration of him that subsequently Pope Nicholas V, in 1451, on the death of the Patriarch of Grado, transferred the patriarchal dignity from that see to the Sea of Venice, and thus St. Lawrence Justinian, well regarded for his holiness of life, became the first patriarch of the city of Venice. He died on January 8, 1455. What's interesting is many bishops um, is that the feast days we keep for them is oftentimes not the day of, that they die. Now, it's the case with many saints. The day of their death we celebrate as their birthday into heaven, and those are where we keep their feast days. It's not an exact rule, though. And we kind of see this usually in the bishops because the day in which we uh, often will celebrate them is the day in which they were um, ordained to the episcopacy. Uh, that's, again, though, not always the case. Sometimes the translation of a saint's relics will be when we celebrate them liturgically. So not a hard and fast rule. But going on to the next topic, the most important feast day this coming week. September 8th is the feast of the Nativity of our Blessed Mother, uh, the Blessed Virgin Mary's birthday. So this is a particularly important celebration that we should remember and we should really celebrate this week. Again, September 8th is the feast of Our Lady's Nativity. Now, uh, this particular feast day is interesting because, <clears throat> like I was just talking about, it's not always the date of death. And we see our Blessed Mother. We celebrate her birthday in the year. We also celebrate the birthday of St. John the Baptist and, of course, of our Lord Jesus Christ himself on Christmas Day. What's interesting is all three of them were born without original sin, though, of course, only our Blessed Mother, Mary, and our Lord Jesus Christ were free from sin from the moment of their conception. I've talked about it before in, in writings and on the episode how St. John the Baptist, most theologians believe that he was born without original sin, that he was cleansed from original sin in his mother's womb at the visitation when he flipped in, in, her, in her womb, and in that for a moment he was cleansed even though he was conceived with original sin. So it's not an immaculate conception. But that's one of the reasons we celebrate the birthday of these three saints. They are the only three uh, people to have ever been born without original sin on their soul at the minute of their birth. Now, September 8th, as I said, is the feast day of the Nativity of the Blessed Virgin Mary. It has been a feast day for quite a long time. It really began in the 5th century as a feast, um, and really in about the 7th century, when it was celebrated by the Greeks and the Romans, it became known as the Feast of the Birth of the Blessed Virgin Mary. In the East, Mary's birthday is celebrated as one of the 12 great liturgies. The title for the liturgy in the East is The Birth of Our Exalted Queen, the birth giver of God and ever-Virgin Mary, and the feast is also celebrated by Syrian Christians on September 8th and by Coptic and Ethiopian Orthodox Christians on May the 9th. Now, in the Roman Rite, the rite we're familiar with in the Roman Catholic Church, the Feast of the Nativity of the Blessed Virgin Mary was granted an octave by Pope Innocent IV in the year 1243. And in the year 1913, with the Divino Afflato reforms of the breviary under Pope St. Pius X, the octave was downgraded to a simple octave. And the octave day itself, September 15th, was replaced by the Feast of Our Lady of Sorrows. 
Now, the presence of the octave, though, illustrates just how important this day was in the life of Catholics for centuries. And one of the things that I really like to emphasize to people with this feast day and with others is, is that Our Lady's Nativity was a former holy day of obligation. In fact, the, there was a papal bull issued in 1537 when Pope Paul III reduced the amount of days of penance and those of obligation for hearing Mass for Native Americans out of what he said was pastoral concern due to their physically demanding lifestyle. And when he did this, he uh, only kept a small subset of days as those required to hear Mass. But amongst that list, the Nativity of the Blessed Virgin Mary still remained. Now, when the number of days of precepts was reduced by Pope Urban VIII famously in 1642 to 35 days, including the principal patrons of one's locality, like your nation and your parish, this feast day, the Nativity of Our Lady, still remained on the list. And it remained as a holy day of obligation in certain areas, longer than in others. For instance, in Ireland, it remained a holy day of obligation until 1778, when Pope Pius VI abolished it as a day of precept. And likewise, here in the United States, before we were the United States and we were various different colonies, some parts of the New World kept it as holy days as well. The Diocesan Synod of Santiago in Cuba in 1688, which included present-day Florida and Louisiana, listed it as a holy day of obligation, as did the Diocese of Quebec. Uh, Catholics in British colonies kept Our Lady's Nativity as a holy day of obligation until Pope Pius VI dispensed a number of days for them, including this feast day, in March 1777. So while it has not been a holy day of obligation for those here in the New World for several centuries, it still is a very important day. And for Catholics in this era of Western civilization around the years 1000 to 1400, the birthday of Our Blessed Mother really marked the unofficial end of summer and the beginning of harvest. And there were many traditions and customs associated with this time period. So in the show notes, I'll have a link to the article I wrote some time ago for 1 Peter 5 on the forgotten customs of Our Lady's Nativity, and it goes over that in the old Roman ritual, there was a blessing of the summer harvest and the fall planting of seeds for this day. Wine growers in France called this feast day Our Lady of the Grape Harvest, and the best grapes are brought to the local church to be blessed, and then some bunches are attached to the hands of the Statue of Mary. A festive meal, including the new grapes, was always part of that day. And in the Alp section of Austria, this day is known as Drive-Down Day, during which the cattle and the sheep are led from their summer pastures in the slopes and brought to their winter quarters in the valleys. And in some parts of Austria, milk from this day and all leftover food are given to the poor in honor of Our Lady's Nativity. While we might not be able to do that, what we can do is we can live our various family customs. For instance, it would be a wonderful thing to have a birthday cake on September 8th in honor of the Blessed Virgin Mary, especially if you have children. That's a great way to lead by example. Have the children light the candles, have them sing happy birthday, recite the rosary, chant a few aves in her honor, and take this as an opportunity to teach your children various prayers in Latin. I've talked before about PrayLatin.com as a sponsor for various episodes, and they have wonderful resources to teach children or adults how to pray some of the most basic prayers in Latin. Today would also be an ideal day to learn the story of the miraculous image of Maria Santissima Babina, that is, the infant child Mary, and make a donation to a worthwhile Catholic cause, in keeping with that Austrian custom of donating to the poor on this day in Our Lady's honor. And priests, please, offer the blessing of grapes on September 8th. Encourage people to bring grapes, whether they purchase them for the store or if they're growing them, for, if they happen to be, to bring them as well, uh, so that we can better live out these liturgical customs throughout the year. 
May our blessed mother's birthday not just be one simple day in our week or in our year, but may we truly honor it and observe it. Just like we would keep in mind Christmas, we should keep in mind September 8th is our blessed mother's birthday, and we should fittingly celebrate it. And lastly, the final topic I'd like to talk about in today's episode is a recent article I wrote for the Fatima Center entitled, The Types of Papal Documents and the Weight of Each. I think it's important to understand what the difference is between an encyclical, an apostolic constitution, a moda proprio, a bull, an apostolic letter, or an apostolic exhortation. Many of those terms are thrown around, but few people really know what they are. And a lot of people think just because something perhaps is, say, an apostolic constitution, well, does that make it infallible? Apostolic constitutions are a high-level papal document. They typically deal with matters related to governance and structure of the church, and they're often used to establish and modify laws, regulations, and institutions. They're really considered to have the higher authority than most other types of papal documents. Um, and, but what's interesting is the type of document does not, is not what makes something infallible or not. There's four different characteristics of infallibility for papal teaching, and I go over that in my article for those who want to learn more. But, uh, for instance, the dogma of the, of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary was defined through an apostolic constitution uh, issued by Pope Pius Twelfth on November 1st, 1950. But that doesn't mean all apostolic constitutions are infallible. For instance, uh, the apostolic constitution uh, that promoted the use of Latin issued on February 22nd, 1962, addressed the importance and need to preserve the Latin language in the church's liturgy, theology, and educational institutions. And despite the fact that it was an apostolic constitution, it did not have any sort of infallibility protections to it. So for those who'd like to learn a bit more about what are these different types of documents, what are the weight of each, what are they used for, what makes a document infallible or not, I encourage you to read the article, uh, The Types of Papal Documents and the Weight of Each, which I will link to in the show notes. While we do not have many feast days this week, we do have an important one, that of the Nativity of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Please make plans now so we can fittingly celebrate it. Thank you so much for listening. May God grant you a most blessed week. And let us all strive for greater holiness this and every other week. Ad maiorum Dei Gloriam. Quid